You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Sing your voice before God in the reading of his word. So let's read it now aloud together beginning with verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Take a break for a blessing. Let's pray now together. Father in heaven, as we give of our tithes and our offerings this morning, we ask that you would move in power by your Holy Spirit. Lord, as those offering baskets are passed in these next few seconds, we pray that you would stir our hearts to be a God-pleaser rather than a man-pleaser. Lord, when I think back over the years how many times I've been challenged by men to do something and because I didn't want to lose face with them, I, I gave, I rose to the occasion with them. And Lord, while that's good, there is an even better way for us to give. And that is to look you in the face. And dear Lord, how could I say, how, how could I do less for you? Because you speak to my heart than I would ever do because any man speaks to my heart. Now, Lord, you know what we are about here at First Southern. You know the tremendous way in which you've already blessed us. You know, Heavenly Father, what we need to do this morning in regard to our stewardship, regard to our giving. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that not one of us would be left out in our giving this morning, but that all of us in these few moments, as the plates are being passed, the baskets come before us, would be a part of what you're doing. Now, Lord, I'm praying that you would stir us to do mighty work, not to please men, but to please you. Father in heaven, I pray that your Holy Spirit would so move in power that we today would not be allowed by you to get away from our responsibility. Challenge us, Lord, and then give us the grace to rise to the challenge. And then, Father, as we consider this morning the importance of remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, we want to do everything in this day to make it a holy and blessed occasion. So, Father, show us how in our lives and with our families we are to remember the Sabbath and how we can keep it holy. Father, we trust that you'll move in power at invitation time, bringing men and women, boys and girls, to say yes to you this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Handed me this clipping out of the newspaper this morning. And he said, Brother Tom, what do you think about this? It's an article from the dispatch called God and Golf. Immediately, several men whom I personally know 
are paying attention. Dr. David Swink is one golfer who never takes God's name in vain. In fact, for him, it's quite the opposite because Swink, a Michigan minister, brings God to the greens every Sunday morning by preaching a sermon of self-restraint to local golfers. According to Swink, now I'm not going to tell you where this guy lives. You'll join his church. According to Swink, members of the Oak Point Golf Club were torn between praying and playing on Sundays until he came up with a compromise. God always loves compromises. Now players meet on a grassy knoll near the first tee at sunrise. Swink hopes his messages will lower their scores as well as their blood pressure. So far, golf cuss words but not scores have been reduced. I know God's proud of that. Frankly, I don't have much respect for that because I don't believe God is interested in compromise. I believe God is looking for men, especially men of God, preachers of the gospel, who realize that true believers in this world are like salt and light. And while it does not mean we don't have a good time, in fact, we have the best of times, it does mean that we don't accommodate the Word of God to our lives, we adjust our lives to accommodate the Word of God. I have been especially impressed this morning as I have reviewed this passage of Scripture, preparing my heart for this message. I have been especially impressed with the fact that in my own life and in my own family's life, some adjustments are going to have to be made to accommodate ourselves to this Word of God. And so with your Bible open to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, as we are thinking together about the Ten Commandments in our home, we have come to a passage of Scripture which has phenomenal implications on the home, so much so that the Lord God in His detailed explanation which follows His commandment said, now here is how it applies to your family and to the extended work which your family does. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to take a break for a blessing. In fact, I cannot imagine a person positioning themselves for a blessing before God who does not come to this commandment and say, Dear God, I will remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, we raised several questions last Wednesday evening in addressing this issue. What does it mean to remember the Sabbath? When is the Sabbath? What am I supposed to do on the Sabbath? What about other people on the Sabbath? What about the people who work for me or the people in my family? What about equipment which I might have which other people who don't remember the Sabbath might want to use on the Sabbath day? All of these are questions which will be answered in this message this morning. Now, I want you to look, first of all, at what we call last Wednesday evening a holy exhortation. It is found in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, we noted in this 8th verse that we had, first of all, a divine imperative. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that word, remember, in the original language of a scripture is not a word which means just simply to recall or to think about. It is a word which has at its very root 
the meaning that it should loom up like a mountain. In fact, what God is saying is that the Sabbath day should be distinct on the horizon of the week. As you look across the other six weeks, other six days of the week, those days might be considered on a level plane. But the Sabbath, that is to loom up like a mountain on the horizon. It is not to be quickly forgotten. So we have a divine imperative. We also have a distinct intermission. In fact, that's what the word Sabbath day means. It means to stop, to cease. We often think of it as a rest because when we have stopped, we are at rest. But literally, it means there is to be a 24-hour intermission in your life every seven days in which you give your attention to God, in which you focus your attention upon who He is, the excellency of His being, and in which a divine God begins to bring strength and restoration to your life. So there is a divine imperative. There is a distinct intermission. And finally, we noted in that verse, there is a dedicated institution. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, a lot of people don't understand what it means to keep holy the Sabbath day. That word literally means to keep it clean. It means to keep it undistracted so that you can focus your attention upon God. Nothing coming between you and the Lord God. Now, he's going to explain that, but right now I want you to see this is a dedicated institution. Now, some people remember the Sabbath. Every week they think of it in terms of their convenience. Oh, good. The Sabbath day is rolling around. Now, that word Sabbath does not mean seventh, although the original Sabbath was on the seventh day. But they say, oh, good, the Sabbath day is rolling around, Sunday's rolling around. It is designed for my convenience. In other words, the whole purpose of the Sabbath is to let me get done all the things I want to do or let me play around like I want to play around. Some people remember the Sabbath in that fashion. Some people remember the Sabbath and are callous, not just looking for convenience. They are callous. They remember the Sabbath and they think, now on the Sabbath day, I am going to do nothing. I'm not going to budge. I'm going to toddle out there into the front yard, gather up my paper. I'm going to keep my house shoes on all day long. I'm going to read the paper. I'm going to get a few beers. I'm going to sit here in front of the TV. Nobody's going to bother me. This is my day. It's Sunday. Get out of my hair. Don't talk loud. Don't bug me. Some people remember the Sabbath and they say, that's my day. I'm going to keep it for myself. Some people remember the Sabbath day and they are critical. They say, oh, good, that's the day I can go to church and point out to my friends all the things that I think are wrong about other people. And they'll talk about their church and they'll talk about the creations of God who are other people in their church. They'll talk about the program. They'll talk about the music. They'll talk about the lesson. They'll talk about the preaching. In fact, they love the Sabbath day because they remember the Sabbath day to keep it critical. And of course, maybe you have people like that who profane the Sabbath day by criticizing God, God's work, God's people, all that God does. And when you see them coming, you ought to say, well, here comes the devil to tempt me again because I am going to remember the Sabbath day to keep it clean, to keep it undistracted, to keep it holy unto the Lord God. So we have here a holy exhortation. And God is saying, nothing is to come between you and me. You are to worship me. You are to focus your attention to, to me because in doing that, I will bring restoration 
to your soul. I will bring life to you. So we are to let nothing, we are to let it loom up, we are to let nothing keep us from remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now there's no need for any guesswork here because after this holy exhortation, we have what I want to call a helpful explanation. A helpful explanation. What does it mean to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? Now God gives us an opportunity here to understand his heart, to understand his mind, because in verses 9 and 10, he lays it out for us in detail. That is, what it means to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. As I said, no need for guesswork here. Look at the verses. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. First of all, notice in these two verses, there is a principle guiding your work. A principle guiding your work. Now, he's not talking just about the Sabbath day, but he says, I want to address the issue of the other six days first. Six days, he says in verse 9, shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Now, this word labor is very interesting. It is a word which means to serve, and in fact, it even has the connotation of serving or working under authority. Six days shalt thou serve or work under authority and do all thy work. Now, this word work here is an interesting word because it means do all that has been given you to do. Dispatch or take care of all that has been entrusted to you, that has been given to you to accomplish. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work work. What he's saying is here that you should accomplish all that God intends for you to accomplish for yourself, for your work, for your provision in your job. Somebody says, well, now, wait a minute. Our work week is just five days or our work week is just four days. Well, what you may mean is where you work, that is your place of employment, you only go down there five days or maybe you only go down there four days. But what he's saying here is that you have other work than the work you do where you work. For instance, there is a lawn to be mowed. There are uh, things to do around the house. There's other work to be attended to. There are errands to run. There's a car to wash. There, there's all kinds of additional work, not just where you get money, but also the way you take care of the resources that God has entrusted to you. But the scripture is saying here, you have got six out of the seven days to do that. You are to take care of all your work. You say, well, does that mean, does that leave any room for me to have recreation? Can I go out and play golf? Or can we go off here and play tennis? Or can we do this? The scripture does not say do not do that. But the scripture is saying that if you do that, and then the Sabbath day in your life rolls around and you find yourself having to attend to work on the Sabbath that you didn't do some other day because of, re of recreation, that you have violated the Scripture because within that six-day period, you are to do all your work. Nothing left undone. Everything discharged to you. By the way, 
I believe this refers to everything. And I would say to those of you who are high school students, college students, grade school students, and you're, you who are parents and you have students in your home, I believe this even includes homework. I tell you, the Lord has convicted me about this. I mean, this is a fresh conviction to me because homework is work entrusted. It is a young person serving under authority. It has been entrusted to that child, and so we should see that a child's homework, a child's schoolwork is accomplished before the Sabbath day. I think most people have the idea, you get Saturday off, Saturday is for you, Sunday we're going to go to church, and as soon as we get home, we're going to get that homework done. Or as soon as I get home, I'm going to get that car washed. Or as soon as I get home, I'm going to get that lawn mowed. God says you do, and you are violating the principle guiding your work. Because six days shall you labor and do all your work. There is a principle guiding your work. You say, Brother Tom, I don't like that. It makes no difference whether you like it. It's not up for vote, friends. It is right here in the Scripture. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. You say, well, what about Mom? We go home, we make her go to the kitchen and make her cook a big meal. My wife and I talked about this. She said, haven't you noticed? I try to take care of all of that on Saturday. It's a matter of just slipping it out and putting it on the table to eat. I think that's good. I was talking to Ralph's daddy. He said, boy, in our home growing up, that's exactly the way we did it. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. That is a principle guiding your work. By the way, your Sabbath will be sweet if you work the rest of the week. A lot of people don't enjoy a day off because they never do much on their day on. And so you get busy. Get with the work. Finish it in six days, and your Sabbath will be a sweet, sweet day unto you, a principle guiding your work. Notice also there is a provision guarding your worship, a provision guarding your worship. Look with me in verse 10, the first part. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. You're not to take care of those discharged working responsibilities, he's saying here, on this seventh day. Now, the word seventh day is the key. It means that you are to take a 24-hour time period out of every seven days. You say, well, should it be the seventh day? Or why do Christians do it on the first day? Well, the seventh day, of course, is the way in the law here. We were to honor the fact that on the seventh day, God stopped in his work of creation. In the New Testament, we read that believers, they took one day out of every seven, and they set it aside, but the day they chose was the first day of the week in honor of the Lord of creation. The issue is that you take one 24-hour time period. Why is it suggested that you take Sunday? Because in our own society, Sunday rather than Monday or rather than Saturday, in this society here is the time when we have chosen to say we're going to provide opportunities in your church for focusing your attention upon the excellency of God. So there is a provision guarding your worship. Now, sometimes people say, but now you preachers, the only time you ever work is on Sunday, and that's right, I have the best job in the world. I only work on Sunday. And, uh, well, sometimes a little bit on Wednesday, I give a little sermonette, but that's it, basically. That's all preachers do. Don't you know that? Have you, have you become well aware of that? 
They say, you preachers, I mean, aren't you working on the Sabbath day? Here it is, your Sunday. How can you justify being up there preaching a message, you know? How can you do that? I want to ask you to turn with me to the 12th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. This will indicate to you why your being involved in the priestly work of the church is appropriate on Sunday. Why a preacher's preaching the Word of God, you're teaching the Word of God, you're studying the Word of God is appropriate on Sunday. Notice verse 1, chapter 12, Matthew's Gospel, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungry. They began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and how they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God, he ate the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them that were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath day the priest, and every believer is a priest and king, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath. In other words, they do other things than what was prescribed in the law for the Sabbath and are blameless. He said the temple worship went on on the Sabbath day. Those who were discharged with that responsibility took care of it on the Sabbath day, but they were blameless. Now, what does this mean? It means that as you come to study the Word of God, as you come to pray, as you come to train, as you come to think about the Lord God, that you're not profaning the Sabbath in that sense. The truth of the matter is, this is focusing your attention. It is setting your life aside to worship the Lord your God. So there is a principle guiding your work. There is a provision guarding your worship. But watch out, here comes the one with which a lot of folks have a lot of trouble. There is a perimeter governing your watch care a perimeter governing your watch care. God is saying, I have entrusted some people to you. You are to be watching over those people. They are people who are under your authority. And when those people who are under your authority discuss with you the issue of this Sabbath day, I am giving you some specific perimeters guarding or governing your watch care. Look with me again in verse 10. He says, you shall not do any work. And then he says, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. You know what the Lord is saying here? He's saying it's not sufficient for you to say, well, Sunday's my day, I worship the Lord. He's saying there are people under your authority and you will be in open violation of this commandment if you do not attend to their needs, all of those who are under your authority. Now notice who these people are. First of all, they are the people in his home. Your son nor your daughter. He said your home. Everybody under your authority in the home is to be remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's not one thing you ought to do. You ought not to say, well, son, I'm going to go to church and you go to work and then I'll go to work tonight and you go to church. This is the way we're going to do it. He's saying that doesn't fit within that 24-hour rest, that intermission. And so he says, your family. And by the way, let me stop just for a moment to tell you that one of the saddest things that I hear, I hear from proud parents who say, well, my son or my daughter has got a job. And preacher, listen, that's why you don't see them in church anymore 
They've got a job. Isn't that great? As if the most important thing for that son or daughter to do was to get a job. Listen, friend, the most important thing you can teach your son or daughter by your life, by your lips, by your lifestyle is that they are to obey the commandments of God. And how dare you say, well, I wouldn't work on Sunday, but I'm proud of my son or I'm proud of my daughter in college because on the weekend they've got a job and you've got to go for that money. That's where it all begins, that money is God. Money is not God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto me any graven images. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Dads, moms, don't work on the Sabbath. Children, you are responsible for obeying this commandment. And parents, you're responsible for those under your authority. So he says, your home. Notice also he says, your help. Your help. He says, not your maidservant, nor your manservant. I know a lot of people who are really proud that they remember the Sabbath. They say, now, I've got some guys who are not Christians, and uh, I let them tend shop while I remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Is that abiding by this commandment? Not according to the Scripture. I mean, God's gone to great pains here to say, not your help, not the folks who work under your authority. You say, but they wouldn't go to church. They'd go to the lake. They'd go do this. They'd go do that. But God says you're to put nothing out there that keeps them from remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, especially work which you assign to them. Not your home, not your help. Notice he also says, not your house guests. Not your house guests. You say, boy, I don't want to offend my guests. Listen, friend, I think it's time, don't you, that we quit being so afraid we were going to offend people that we quit challenging people with the truth of the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is either the authority in your life or it is not the authority in your life. And if you let the fact that some guest showed up or some kid whines or something at work, you can make another buck by staying open on Sunday. If you let that keep you from remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, then God is not your God. You are your God. You have fallen down before some idol. It, uh, it is not God because God's not calling the shots in your life. You are not worshiping him. So he says, there is a perimeter which governs your watch care, your home, your help, your house guests. You say, well, I'm safe. I'm safe. Now today, however, I'll tell you what. My neighbor, uh, he wanted a piece of equipment that I had to do something. He wanted to do this to his house or he wanted to do this out at the lake or he wanted to do this to his car. And so I let him have my equipment. Or some man says, well, my business, we're shut down on Sunday, but I let another business rent or use my equipment on that day. Is that complying with the commandment? No, it's not. No, it is not. Now listen, this is going to shut down some businesses with some conscientious men and women who really care about the Word of God. It's going to shut some of you down because you're saying, i got to keep that open. Why, that's the day that everybody comes. That's the day that everybody does it. You know why they do it? They do it because they can. You know why they can? Because you keep it open. We are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so here the Scripture says, now you've got some cattle. You've got a, an oxen out here that can plow. And so you say, well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go down to the synagogue or the temple. But I'll let my Gentile, my godless neighbor, use my oxen on that day. God says nothing doing. Nothing doing. Everything is ev as well as everyone under your authority is to be brought into complicity with the command of God to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. 
You say, well, that doesn't apply in this society. Well, all right, then let's throw out all the other commandments. But let's say that you can murder now, and you can lie, and you can steal, and you can, you can commit adultery, and you can fall down before an idol, because this, my friend, is in the Ten Commandments just like all the others. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. You should take a hard look at it. You say, well, do I get involved in the letter of the law or the spirit of the law? You get involved to the extent that God puts it on your heart that you are living in complicity with his command to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Well, this brings up a problem for many people here. I mean, some of y'all are sitting out there looking at me like a calf looks at a new gate. Preacher, I don't like that. Frankly, friends, let me tell you something. I have other plans for a lot of Sabbaths too. But the issue is not what are my plans. The issue is what are God's plans? What are God's design? What's God's purpose in the Sabbath? Now, when is God going to be God? That's why he starts out by saying, no sense in going on the commandment to number two until you establish commandment number one. Remember uh, that I am the Lord thy God. You shall have no other gods before me. Because if you can't leap that hurdle, then you can't swallow the rest of the commandments anyway. Now, I want you to look finally with me at what I want to call a heavenly expectation. You say, does God really expect me in the 20th century, 1988, to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy? I mean, after all, and some of you all will come up with some little old technical issue. You say, well, what about this or what about this? Let me ask you a question. Are you looking for a way to get out of God's commandments or are you looking for a way to get in them? We'll have a camp, and at a camp, you know, youth camps, you always have a dress code. And we say, all right, here's how long the shorts can be, for instance. Boy, you know, it's just, like, it's just like the Scripture says in Romans. You put out a law, there's some people that immediately attack that law. I mean, it's in their nature to attack that law. And so you'll discover right off the bat that with those who are carnal, with those who are unspiritual, the issue is how short can I get them and still go to camp? The issue is not how can I be saved or what would glorify God. The issue is how short can I get it and still be saved. And with some of you all in your heart in regard to these commandments, the whole time that I'm preaching about them, the whole time the Word of God is putting them out there and the Spirit of God is bringing them home to your heart, your question is how close can I cut it and still be counted good? Is that going to be the issue with you the rest of your life? How little you can get by with, how little you can give, how little you can do, how little you can visit, how little you can witness how little you can honor God or are you going to say God I'm looking for ways to honor you I am looking for ways to please you I am looking for ways to serve you are you sitting out here figuring out some kind of technicality so you can slip another one by on God and profane the Sabbath day there is a heavenly expectation what does God expect God expects you to adjust your life to his command God expects for you to adjust your life to his command you say oh that would hurt me Man, that would just totally devastate me. That would ruin my business. That would blow me away. I was telling the deacons yesterday I have a copy of an article from the Fortune magazine in which major corporate executives, some of them in businesses that just by nature do better on Sunday, but these men, when they've come to know Jesus, realize that God is consistent and we serve him consistently. And they've said, all right, we're going to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, major airline companies, major construction companies, major food vending and eating establishments. You know, in these shopping centers where you say, well, they got to be open. they got to be open. There is a heavenly expectation. You know what God expects? 
He expects you and me to respond to this commandment and to adjust our lives accordingly. You say, preacher, I don't know whether I agree with that, all right? Listen, friend, let me just tell you the truth. I'm a delivery boy. I can't make you do this. I can't make you decide. I'm just delivering the goods this morning. Now, you measure yourself by the Word of God and just make sure that you know that God expects you to adjust your life to accommodate His command. Now, let me show you what will happen to you if you do it. Some of you have already figured out how you can't do it. You can't afford it. It's not your style. I don't understand your business. Who said I did understand your business? We're not talking about what I'm saying. We're talking about what God says. You're saying you don't understand. I'm in this or I'm in that or I do this. I don't, I'm sure I don't understand. I'm sure that if I were in your situation, I would feel all kinds of pressure. You say, well, you're at church. Hey, listen, friends, there are thousands of things I'm tempted to do every Sunday, you see, just to profane the Sabbath. Now, what will happen if you decide this morning, all right, Heavenly Father, I am going to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I'm going to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Let me suggest quickly three things that will happen in your life. First of all, you will be following his example. That's the first thing. You will be following his example. Look with me at verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Now, I realize that some of you all are in businesses that are more involved than the creation of the universe. But I think that we just ought to go on record as saying that God got it done in six days and then he quit. Now, I realize your business is bigger than that. I realize that little office, that little company, that little plant, that car, that lawn, all those things that you've got to do on the Sabbath, I realize it's more important that you get that done than that God create the universe. But just to let you know, God says, I'm not asking you to do something that a holy God has not done. I created the universe in six days and stopped on the seventh, rested on the seventh. So you will be following his example. We've already said it's his command, but he says, I'm going to give you some encouragement. I will encourage you by example. Notice again, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. So you'll be following his example. Secondly, oh, and this is beautiful, you will be finding his endowment. Let me say it again. You will be finding his endowment. You know why some of y'all are pooped? You know why some of y'all can hardly stay awake besides my preaching? You know why some of you just drag along through the rest of the week? I'll tell you why. Because, here it is, you are working in order to afford time off. Guy says, I work all year. Why? So I can take two weeks off. Then what do you do? I come back, go to work all year so I can take two weeks off, three weeks off. That's not God's plan. We don't work to take time off. God says, you stop. You take time off so that I can bless your work. Do you get the difference? God intends for you to work. God's plan is to, not for us not to work. God wants you to work. That's God's provision, His way of providing for you through your work, through the diligence of your hands. But he says, I'm going to make your work count. I'm going to show you how it can count. On the Sabbath, if you will remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, you will find my endowment. You will find my endowment. Now, where does it say that? All right, listen. 
Wherefore, this is the second part of verse 11, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Now listen, listen carefully because this is an important principle. What does it mean when God says he blesses something? You say, well, that means God does something good for it. Well, maybe so, but that's not what the blessing is. It'd be good, but that's not what it means to bless something. All right, let me give you a definition. If you search the scripture, here's what you're going to find out about a blessing. A blessing is a sovereign act of God by which he causes someone or something to supernaturally produce more than is naturally possible. Let me say it again. A blessing is a sovereign act of God by which he causes someone or something to supernaturally produce more than is naturally possible. We say, Lord, bless this offering. We're saying, Lord, help these dollars to do with your blessing more than they could do without it. Lord, bless that missionary. We're saying, Lord, our prayer is that, that missionary will do out there today more than a man and more than a woman can do. Bless them, Lord. Give them more strength, more ability, more discernment, more wisdom, more capacity. Now listen, God has blessed the Sabbath day. God has blessed the Sabbath day. You know what that means? That means that on the Sabbath day, that 24 hours has been designed by God for you to receive restoration, spiritual restoration, physical restoration, and emotional restoration. It is blessed unto you. If you do not remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, take that 24 hours, set aside that time for focusing your attention upon the Lord God, set aside that time of quiet meditation, joyful worship, fellowship, restoration, you miss that blessing. You run out of spiritual strength. You will run out of emotional strength. You will run out of physical strength. You will die an early death probably. You will be emotionally walking a tightrope. Spiritually, you will constantly be at a state of immaturity and carnality and babyhood because you do not receive the blessed restoration of body, soul, and spirit that God has intended for the Sabbath because on the Sabbath, He will cause those 24 hours to do for you more than any other 24 hours can do all week long. He has blessed it. And so you will find his endowment. I'll tell you one thing. It's really interesting. I don't find a lot of amens when we talk about remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. Oh, it's amen. God's going to bless me. Amen. Give and it shall be given to you. Amen. Amen. Go out and witness. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Oh, me. That's tampering with my plans. You've messed up my lifestyle. You've messed up the way I feel about my business. And preacher, I have my business so that I can do this for God. Listen, God wants to do this for you and for your business. And if you fail to remember the Sabbath, you miss the endowment of power from on high, which God will only give you on that Sabbath day in the measure he intends for you to have it. And so you follow his example. What a wonderful thing to know I'm following God's example. You find his endowment. What a wonderful thing to know that I can go out in the strength of the Lord. Here's the final thing that will happen. You'll focus on His excellency. You will focus on His excellency. Notice what he says here. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And He hallowed it. He set it apart. He sanctified it as a time for you to focus on the excellency of God. 
And I want to tell you, friends, you will have a tremendously different way of looking at the rest of the week and the rest of the world and the rest of your life if you spend time focusing upon the excellency of God. You'll find yourself being able to put up with stuff you never thought you could stand. You'll find yourself being creative and expressive in ways you never imagined. When my wife and I were first married, we moved into a little trailer, eight feet wide. You had to go outside to change your mind. I mean, it was just, it was very interesting. I could tell you some things about it which would just astound you. You know how I feel about cats, the people before it had cats. All of the little appliances in there were pink. Now, you've got to realize this dates that trailer. When we got it, it was, it was probably uh, 15 years old when we got it. And it was all in there, and all the paint was falling off of it. But you know something? We didn't notice. We didn't notice. That's right. Oh, we noticed, but it was fun to us, sort of. It, 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 we, we didn't really notice that much. You know why? Because we were so focused upon each other and the love we had for each other that instead of being agony, it was adventure. Let me ask you, has your life quit being adventure and started being agony? Let me ask you, has your life quit being an adventure and started being agony? I'll tell you why. It is because you are not focusing upon the excellency of Jesus. You focus upon the excellency of Jesus, life becomes an adventure. You do that on the Sabbath day as well as other days, but especially the Sabbath is my way of saying, God, I am giving my heart totally to focus upon this hallowed day, upon your excellency of character, who you are and what you have done and what I believe you will do in my life in the days ahead. The lady was asked on one occasion, as she sat in her home, wrinkled, drawn hands, folded on top of her Bible. Somebody came by, you see, to just talk about anything. And they had heard a little bit about where she went to church. And they, they said, I'm going to find out the truth, you know. And so this man asked her, he said, uh, how is it up your church? She said, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, Really? Things going well? Oh, couldn't be better. Well, uh, are you learning anything in your Sunday school? Oh, I just grow and grow and grow. Well, uh, how about the preaching service? Oh, wonderful preacher. And, oh, I love the music. The music is just heavenly. And all the time this man was astounded because that didn't jive with the way he felt about that church. He said, now listen, Granny. You and I, how can you say it's wonderful? I know where you go to church. Man, there's paint peeling off the wall, those old hard pews. I've gone there to visit. How can you say it's wonderful? She said, is that right? He said, I've been to that Sunday school. I sat there and was just bored to tears. She said, oh, must not have been my class. He said, I've been in that worship service. Are you telling me that you enjoyed that? She said, I have for years. We've had all kinds of preachers and singers and everybody, all kinds of changes. I've just loved it. He said, how could you think that all of that is good? Why, there's another church, our church. You ought to join it. Come on down and join that church. He said, oh, listen, honey. When I go to church, I don't think about the pews and the building, and I don't think about whether something's good or bad or a blessing or not a blessing. 
She said something about it when I just go up there. I go to focus my attention upon my Jesus. And honey, when you focus your attention on Jesus, all of God's people look good to you. All of God's places look good to you. All the works of God look wonderful to you. Oh, sweetheart, it's wonderful. It's wonderful when you just get your attention fixed upon Jesus. And you do that by remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. Father in heaven, my prayer is in these next few moments your Holy Spirit will so descend upon this place, touching, challenging our hearts and lives. I pray in Jesus' precious and matchless and saving name. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, but I'm going to ask everyone to stand. No one moving around, no one leaving at this time. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just stand up quickly where you are. When we come together to worship at First Southern, we come with, with a purpose of focusing our attention upon Jesus. My friend, I want to ask you this morning if you know Jesus. Can you say, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt if I died, I'd spend my eternity in heaven with him? All my sins are forgiven. Life is an adventure. I have his eternal life. Many of you here would say very clearly, oh, I know and I know that I know that I'm saved. I'd go to heaven if I died. But I want to speak to those of you, men, women, dads, moms, young people, teenagers, college students, high school students, grade school students, singles. I want to speak to you. If you haven't got that settled, let me just tell you, this invitation is for you. Why you say, I have so much trouble with this remembering the Sabbath. Let me ask you this. How could you have trouble with this? God loves you. God wants to save you from your sin. He wants to give you peace and purpose and power in your life. How could you turn that down? You see, the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 